Welcome back to episode number 10 of the Lenders Playbook Podcast. Today, we're joined by Michael Kozmoski, Senior VP of Construction Services at Lender Consulting Services. We're diving into construction management, consulting, and private lending and real estate investing, and we do our best to cram in 23 years of experience in 45 minutes. Learn about risk mitigation, what a draw inspection is, and a cautionary tale of what happens without proper underwriting support from LCS. So let's welcome in Michael Kozmoski. Mike Kozmoski, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing incredible now that I'm talking to you. You're too, you're too thank, kind, my friend. You're too kind. <laughs> thank you for being on the Lenders Playbook podcast. We're, I'm super excited about this conversation. Um, and I, we just caught up a little bit before we, uh, we started recording. So this will be fun. And I think a lot of people will get a benefit from it, especially in the private lending industry. That's great. Yeah. So Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. What's your, what's your background? Um, where are you from and all that kind of fun stuff? Uh, so I will say, you know, a little bit about my journey. Um, you know, I'm, this is my 24th year in the industry, um, I kind of came from the dark side. LCS, Lender Consulting Services, is my first, um, I'll say, non-construction uh, job. I started in the industry as a junior estimator, junior project manager, uh, worked myself up to a chief estimator, senior project manager. And prior to coming to LCS, I was the director of construction for a large multifamily developer that worked all across the country. So I've kind of been there, gone, done that, got the t-shirt. Uh, I think my resume to date has over 400 projects built. Um, across the country. So uh, yeah, it's, it's been a fun ride. But uh, now I get to I say I'm, I'm, I went from the dark side to the light and I get to use my, uh, my skills and my knowledge to uh, help lenders, you know, navigate construction. Wow. How many years did you say? 20... 23 now. I 23, think 23 years. Yeah. Good for you, yeah. Mike. Yeah. Good I actually went to school, uh, went to school, formally trained to be an architect uh, decided I liked the construction side better and uh, made the switch, and it's been great for me ever since. Yeah, and your company is in uh, Buffalo, right? Yeah, so Lender Consulting Services. Actually, uh, we're celebrating our 25th year this year. Uh, yeah. oh, so you've been you've been with them since. I've only been I've only been at LCS almost. now for three years. I've I've, oh, I've three years. The, okay, I've, I've come to the light for three years. So so uh, uh -huh. I'm in my fourth year here at LCS. It's been amazing. Uh, what a breath of fresh air! And uh, it, yeah, no, it's it's been nothing but great. Yeah, Lender Consulting Services is located. It's headquartered in Buffalo, New York. Um, we currently right now have I think about seventy people on staff. Um, all around the country, um, you know, we service our clients' needs. We're basically what I would say is a third-party due diligence service provider uh, for lenders. So uh, we're kind of siloed into three three main silos. Uh, one being environmental services. So we do transaction screens, phase ones, phase twos, you know, that type of stuff. Um, we do valuation services, so uh, commercial evals um, and, and and things of that nature. And then my division um, is the construction division. Um, and we do, you know, property condition reports, draw, uh, draw monitoring, uh, basically all around the country. Okay. Okay. So who would be your, who's your, for example, so if you come to a conference, like your, you guys will be at our, at our conference coming up in a couple of weeks now, uh, at the American Lending Conference, who is your ideal client? Like if you're going to walk away from a conference or any kind of a interaction with somebody who would be that ideal client that you would love to say, you know what, we can really help them. 
Well, see, I, I would think, you know, great question, but you know, I, I think our, our, the, the people we like to help the most are the people that want the help. I mean, so often I think, I think we see in this industry, you know, sometimes it's the lenders are just checking a box, right? You know, mm-hmm. they're doing it for compliance purposes and they're just like, okay, hey, listen, I need a property condition report or I need draw inspections. And they're just, you know, regardless of what's incorporated into those reports, they're just like, yeah, yeah, we're good. Just just send me the report. They'll tuck it into the file and they'll never use it. I would say our ideal clients are the ones that actually want the feedback. You, you know, they, they actually want our expertise. I mean, I mean, you know, a, a lot of people, this this company, which is what I'm impressed and, and what I love most about this company is we have a wide breadth of knowledge. You, you, you know, we have people working here from all aspects of banking and construction and, you know, environmental due diligence. And, and, and we're able to kind of throw things off of each other. And and we're, we're really there to help mitigate the risk, you know, of the lenders, right? And, mm. you know, some lenders will, will tell you, I think, you know, Matt, you've been doing this forever, that, hey, I know this, you know, I know this this borrower, the borrower knows their GC, they've done 10 jobs before, life is good. Well, guess what? Coming out of COVID, things are much different today, different today than they were, you know, five years ago. You know, the guy who who's, you know, been in the industry for 25 years and building, you know, built hundreds of projects. You know, those guys are going out of business. You know, some of them have failed to adapt to the new, Absolutely. To the new world. And and that's kind of what we're there to help is, you know, we want to be the lender's eyes and ears. And we want that lender who wants that assistance. So with all that being said, that's that's really great. What are some of the benefits that a lender will receive, you know, as a provi- as a private lender? From my perspective, what are some of the benefits that going with you and, and consulting with you, what are some of those benefits that a lender would receive from that? Well, so so again, first and foremost, we're here, we're there to help mitigate all the lenders' risk. You know, I, I mean, listen, any type of property transaction, real estate transaction, or construction project inherently has risk, right? Yeah. You know, we're there to help you to give you the the whole puzzle, right? The whole, you know, I can say on the construction side, you know, we 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 do quite a few what we call plan and spec cost reviews, which is basically like a front end report prior to you know you deciding to close or or, or acquire a property and you know, we'll, we'll go through and we'll look at the set of plans for the construction project and the budget and come up with, hey, listen, th- these are the risks on the project. You know, the budget's five years old. The budget's lacking in this trade. You know, it's it's overvalued in this trade. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, the budget hasn't been adjusted for the Miami market. You know, this looks like a budget for the, you know, Jacksonville market, which is very different, right? You, you know, yep. as you as you change geography, you know, these things need to be adapted. And, you know, because LCS has had the uh, ability to be in business now for 25 years, we've created quite a database and history of historical data from our projects um, that I say is second to none. You know, yes, can we use periodicals like the RS means and and ENR to to do costing analysis? Sure. Um, but those don't tend to be as accurate as real boots on the ground data. You know, on, on any given, I would say any given month, we could be doing 500 draw inspections around the country. So wow. you do that You do that every month, 12 months a year for, you know, basically 25 years, you get quite a data set. Right. Yeah, that is quite a, absolutely quite a data set. So, so mitigate lender risk. Yep. That is a topic that we could uncover for a, quite a while and talk about that. I mean, that that's really at the end of the day the biggest concern on a lender's mind when they're underwriting a project is how do I mitigate my risk? So 
consulting with you just brings that extra added layer of of protection and and they can sleep better at night knowing that you've got boots on the ground in their corner. Yeah, and and, and listen, you, you know, every lender has their own different risk appetite, right? Cer- certain lenders are, are more keyed into certain risks than others. You, you know, we we take pride in, in basically vetting what we feel is all the risk on a project um, based off of what we're brought in and the information we're given. Um, and again, we, we say overload us with more information. I know sometimes, you know, we get given the bare minimum. We might be given a set of plans and a budget. But you know what? You give me a schedule, municipal approvals, an architect's contract, maybe a general contractor's contract, you know, something that I can sink my teeth into, take a look at it and say, hey, listen, you you know, your general contractor's contract is very much skewed towards the GC and not towards the borrower. So the borrower needs to really watch themselves when they do X, Y, and Z. Um, that's, that's been huge, you know, that that's been huge for us. And actually recently, I'd say in the past year and a half or so, LCS has actually been doing quite a bit of what we call owner's rep work. We've been, uh, we've been actually engaged by borrowers directly on projects, um, to act as their representative, you know, back mm. basically interact between the, you know, the lender, the borrower, the general contractor, the architect, the municipality and play what I would say is kind of a traffic cop, right? Get everything, keep it moving forward. Um, and that's paid great dividends for our clients too. I'll imagine, yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. With the with the amount of moving parts that are involved, um, this is it, it. Really gives a peace of mind for for the private lending community. That's fantastic. So, so some of the 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 data points that you're providing people. So, if you're kind of unpack a little bit more on. So, so a lender comes to you, starts, okay, let's, let's, I'm interested in onboarding with LCS. Um, and then they, you know, they have a, a bridge loan or some kind of a, a basic deal that they're looking to fund. How would they then engage with you? How does that all kind of. So, so a lot of times what they'll do is they'll either come to our, our, our business development team or to the division heads directly and say, hey, listen, I've got I've got this project. You know, it's a hundred thousand square foot, you know, self storage facility in Miami, Florida, and we have a budget and we have a set of plans. I don't know how good the plans are. Can you please, you know, take a look at this for me? You know, so sometimes we'll even do a before we get engaged, we'll do a basically a pre analysis. We'll take a quick, mm. you, you know, thirty thousand level view of it and say. You know what? Everything looks in general conformance. Um, you, you know, no major worries here. You, you, you know, I would still do the plan and spec cost review, but you, you, you know, from a high level view, no major major red flags. Yeah. And then generally, the lender would say, "Okay, we're going to talk to our lending committee." They come back and they say, "Yes, we're going to try and lend on this project. We want to go to underwriting as part of that." You know, we want you to do a plan and spec cost for you. We'll actually go through the plans. We'll do select takeoffs. Um, we'll care. We'll we'll basically uh, you know compare those takeoffs um, based off of square footage and material square footage. You know, so the overall you know 100,000 square foot self storage building in South Florida is you know X 250 dollars a square foot. And we'll make sure you know maybe it's 150 to 250. We'll make sure that their project falls into that range. But then we'll also say, okay, there's 
you know, 700 cubic yards in the foundations, the foundation line items, $1,000 or it's $10,000 and it makes sense, you know. So we kind of go at it from both angles, both from a, a high level overview uh, based off of square footage. And then we'll actually dive into a few key segments of the project to make sure the pricing makes sense. Okay. All right. That's good. The amount of details that you guys are covering is is really phenomenal and it's it's really the it's in the details i mean all these loans that these guys are doing i mean it all comes down to that and so um let me ask you i mean what if somebody were to say you know what i got this on my own what are some of the negative consequences of 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 a lender not going with because at this point i'm thinking to myself why would somebody not and I'm not just trying to hype up your company. I'm really honestly thinking to myself, why would you not consult with, with LCS on a deal such as this? Well, right? it, And what it, would happen then if they didn't? You know? Yeah, Matt, how about this? I'll give you a little story. I, I think it, it's, it's, man, you must be sitting in my office. You must have my office bugged because uh, we just <laughs> had a project last week where this occurred where we have a client who said, hey, listen, every project under a million dollars, we're not going to really do any due diligence. You know, we're, if we're comfortable with the borrower and they have enough deposits, you know, we're going to just, you know, lend them the money on good faith. And then what did they do? Instead of having a due diligence company such as LCS go out and do draw monitoring, they kept lending on the project. And I think it was about a million and a half dollar job. They got about $800,000 lended, lent uh, on the project. And then, and then all of a sudden the GC disappeared. Oh, and, and, and the unbelievable. Borrower- Borrower couldn't get a hold of the GC. The GC had worked for the borrower in the past. And basically the borrower came to the lender and said, what am I supposed to do? You know, and the lender said, hey, listen, let, let, let's let let's hold on. And the lender said, I've been out to the site. It was the lender who they actually had doing the draw inspection, you, you, you know, and the lender, you know, went out and took a look and came back and said, something's wrong. I'm missing something. I'm, I'm, I'm not getting it. So they ended up uh, engaging us. You know, we went there within a few days of being engaged and found out that out of the eight hundred thousand, they probably should have only funded about two hundred. So, wow. so they they were six hundred thousand dollars overfunded, and the GC had the money, and he's gone. He, he he's gone. He's not answering answering anybody's phone calls. Um, he's not at his physical address anymore. You, you know, and, and basically, you know, in the middle of the night, you know, disappeared. And, you know, to that point, you know, the, the lender said to me directly, they're like, man, for, for what, what we would have paid to have the inspections, you know, we could have, you could have paid for 5,000 inspections, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was penny wise and pound foolish. And, um, you know, that's unbelievable. That. And, and, and you know what, to be honest, this happens pretty regularly. I mean, I mean, prior to COVID, you know, quoting a few numbers here, you know, the the default rate um, of a general contractor was about two point seven percent. You know, in and I would say before COVID is what you're saying. Yeah, before COVID. Okay. Now, now the default rate was it was about thirteen point two during COVID. Now it's it's about eleven point seven. You, you know, wow. so so one out of every ten you know GCs you know is defaulting on projects. That's not to say they're going out of business, but they're not finishing the jobs that they were contracted to do. So, you, you know, they're trying to cash flow. They're, I, I would say, again, prior to COVID, when we were doing our, our, our draw monitoring, we would, we would find that, you know, overfunding was being requested, you know, 10 to 15% of the draws. 
Now it's 50 to 55% of the draws are requesting overfunding. Wow. What, what, what's leading to this? Is this just bad financial management from the GC? Is this, I believe so. Yeah. I I mean, that, that, that's, that's the, that's what we're kind of getting here is they're using some jobs to cash flow other jobs. Uh You, You know, some, some of these GCs, they were bidding projects during COVID using pre COVID numbers. And then, you know, they didn't adjust for the fact that material costs escalated, labor costs escalated, projects were now taking longer because lead times were longer. Yep. So what ended up happening, uh, you know, those those projects went underwater and they were using the next job to fund the previous job. Sure, sure. You know, and that that only works for so long, as long as you keep getting more and more work. And then once you stop getting work to feed the previous jobs, then you're in trouble. Yeah. And, and, you know, and that's kind of what we're seeing here is, is, is that there is, you know, there are some large general, large construction managers and general contractors in the industry that have gone either, you know, they've gone bankrupt, you know, or they're defaulting on their projects. Okay. That's, (laughs) that's, wow. Take a deep breath on that one. That's interesting. I mean, 11% right now is the default. So yeah, one in 10, 11 contractors out there. Mm-hmm. Um, will not finish the job. That's amazing. Correct. I mean, it's it's it, amazing how many times we'll we'll be in the middle of a draw project, and all of a sudden just start seeing a new GC. We'll see applications from ABC Contracting for the first six months, and then we don't get an application for three months, and then you know CDEF Contracting ends up sending us pay applications. You know, three months later. Yeah. You know, and it's 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 crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So as a borrower. And as a lender, what is the strategy there? I guess to have a, a strong a strong bench for GCs to have two or three, four, five backups in case. Yeah, you I, got I, mean, I, I would say two things. One is to make sure that the lenders are vetting the contractors. Just because the contractor gives you a quote that you like that fits into the pro forma that you're trying to meet doesn't meet doesn't mean that that's a correct number. You know, low bid is not always the best bid, mm-hmm. you, you know, and, and, and I say it all the time. Make sure you get multiple quotes from multiple GCs. Make sure that those quotes are in a standard deviation. Make sure they're in a cluster. You know, you don't want somebody telling you the job's a million dollars, two million dollars and four million dollars, <laughs> you, you, you know, and, and then vet that GC. You, you know, when you end up, you know, interviewing and vetting the GC, you know, make sure that, that, you know, what they say they can do, make sure they've done projects of similar size and scope, you know, make sure that they're solvent, you know, talk to some of their previous customers. And then as the project's going on, make sure, you know, and that's where we come in, make sure the due diligence is being done that, Hey, if they're billing for 50% of the concrete, that 50% of the concrete's done. And if it's not, you know, let's not fund it. I mean, I will tell you, you know, there, there are, there are lenders out there that even though we say, Hey, only 50% is done. I'd only fund 50%. They'll fund the 75% because they're like, I know these guys. They're good guys. They're yeah. going to get there. They'll get to the end. And like I said, that works until it doesn't. Yep. 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 Okay. All right. So with with a lot of this being said about GCs and, and where we were at with COVID and now where we are, what are some of the... Um, the, the, the current challenges that you see from your perspective in, in our market, in the private lending space, you know, in the real estate, non-owner occupied world that we all kind of live in. What are some of those, those market challenges that you see? Yeah. Well, I, I think for us, it, it's still, you know, 
time is money, right? You, you know, and, and we've seen, you know, schedules exponentially grow, you know, projects that I would have, you know, constructed 10 years ago in six months are taking 12, 14, 15, 16 months because there are, you know, there are, there's, there's a lot of logistical problems in getting materials. Mm. Um, and if it's not just materials, it's the labor force also, you know, we have a shrinking uh, labor force and labor yep. pool that's caused, yep. that's causing issues. So What's it about? It's about proper planning in the pre-construction phase. You know, before you put a shovel in the ground, let's make sure that the job is bid right, you know, with the right GC. Then let's make sure that the items that we need that we know have long lead time have been ordered well before we need them. You know, back in the day, I used to be able to order electrical panels and have them in in four weeks. You know, now we're talking about 30 weeks or 35 weeks to get them. So, wow. you know, if you, if you have, I mean, generators, I mean, it's, it's a great stat, you, you know, generators on a project, you know, there's only a few major manufacturers slash, you know, suppliers of generators, like whole home generators, or let's say, you know, you're building a hospital and you want a whole, whole hospital generator. They used, used to be able to get them in 25 or 30 weeks. I mean, not now you're talking 60 to 70 weeks to get, to get a wow. generator. So if you have a project that depends on that, you better have ordered that well in advance. And, and you, you know, in the construction industry used to do what's called JIT, just-in-time ordering. You didn't want to order it before you needed it because you didn't want to store it. You didn't want something to happen to it, something, somebody to back up a forklift into it or somebody to steal it or that type of, those days are done. You, you know, being able to properly, you know, schedule the job, including, you know, what we call critical path items. So, um, you know, those critical path items are lead times now. You know, let, let's make sure that those are ordered before you start construction, um, because otherwise your jobs are going to take two or three times as long as they should. You know, there was um, years ago when I was a little bit more involved on the private lending side and, and real estate side, a rule of thumb that we would always have is like whatever costs that you cost in time. So whatever costs that you had itemized out for your project add 10%. Right. And whatever time frame that you thought, well, it's going to take me six months to do this project, add 10%. I feel like, I feel like it's even more now. I feel like you got to be a lot more, even more diligent on that number, not even 10%. Is that even, do you think that's yeah, a rule I, of thumb? That's even, I mean, that was always the rule of thumb. And I, I think that that's still light. You, you know, I, I think it's kind of funny after, after COVID, um, you, you know, we saw a lot of, you know, borrowers and lenders relaxing their requirements and that was for contingencies. And it made me lose my mind. It, it, you know, when I saw, you know, lenders are, they have a $10 million construction project with no contingency on it. Mm. And they're like, oh, it's, it, you know, we have a good set of plans, great architect, great builder. They bid the job. Everything's good. Well, guess what? Construction's messy. <laughs> you know, so is real estate acquisition. You, you know, nothing ever goes as it's as as it's planned. Right. And without that contingency, if your if if your pro forma is right at the top of your pro forma and it doesn't, you know, allow you to put those extra costs in, well, maybe it's not the right deal. <laughs> you, sure. you know, that's that that's the thing. If it's that tight, it could be uh, you know maybe time to start looking at a different deal. You know, so to your point, you know, we always suggest we're in the ten to fifteen percent range. Okay. On, on contingencies. Yeah. And and same thing on time. Time we're usually in the 20% range. You know, so when somebody's figuring out interest carry, you know, when somebody's figuring out, you know, same thing, general conditions, you, you know, 
a, a construction project that takes longer doesn't just take more time, it takes more resources. So that general contractor is going to ask for you know, more money for their superintendent, their job trailers, their temporary fence, you know, all things that cost them money. Yep. If you could kind of unpack just a little bit for, we have listeners that are brand new coming into the industry and we also have more seasoned lenders and brokers and such that listen to us and real estate investors and so forth. If you could kind of explain what the draw inspection is for those of, so for those people who are like, Everything sounds good, but I'm trying to piecemeal some of these these phrases that were thrown out there. Sure. So a draw inspection is basically so, so a, 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 a borrower requests you know t- takes a ten million dollar loan out for a construction project, um, and the, and every month they you know are they have a contractor who requests a draw. They request money for work that they've done that previous month. So say say you know month one uh, there's some site work that's done. And the site work contractor asked the GC for $100,000. And then the GC asked the borrower for $100,000. That borrower will pass that pay application. Usually it's in the form of an AIA or American Institute of Architects pay application to the borrower or to the uh, the lender. And that lender will then pass it off to, to LCS. LCS will send a uh, an inspector, a field inspector, a qualified field inspector to the site. And it will basically review the progress of construction on the site. Did the did the uh, contractor do $100,000 worth of work? Mm-hmm. And if so, great. They'll come back and report it to, to, to my office. Uh, my project managers will author a report that basically says, you know, they've requested $100,000. We're approving $100,000. Feel good to fund. And then basically the lenders can run title, can make sure there's no, you know, liens on the project, make sure there's clear title. And, you know, at the end of the, at the end of that, basically fund the check, you know, write a check to the, uh, to the borrower. Um, You know, if we get to the site and we see $50,000 worth of work done instead of $100,000, we'll basically come back, you know, give, give a, give a, a call to our client and say, Hey, listen, you know, I know that they asked for a hundred. We're only approving 50, and this is why. This is what was done based off of their, their budget and their schedule of values, and, and this is all we're going to approve for funding. Now, sometimes they'll go back to the borrower and say, hey, talk to your GC, see if there's something we're missing. Uh, maybe they've billed for stored offsite stored materials. Maybe they're billing for a deposit that they didn't identify clearly. Um, but so there's a little bit of give and take. And then at the end of the day, we'll give our funding rep- our funding recommendation to the uh, to the lending institution. You know, and and that's what we're there for. We're there to protect the lending institution's money, right? You know, we're to, there to make sure that they uh, that the contractor doesn't get ahead of anybody on the project. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I bet the conversation with the inspector sometimes, like if they're going out there and they're expecting, okay, hundred thousand dollars of work was supposed to have been done. Let me go check. And it was half. Mm-hmm. I bet there's some interesting conversations if the contractor is there and the inspector is there and there's a little bit of dialogue. Uh, I'm just curious how that sometimes works out. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, to your uh, point, I mean, it's, it's funny the, the way LCS operates, you know, we want those conversations to happen after the inspection. We make sure that we don't want our inspectors to be in a compromising position. So we'll wait for them to leave the site, come yeah. have the discussion with us. And then we'll have the discussion generally with the borrower and the contractor to say, you guys are asking for a hundred, you're billing, uh, you know, the storm sewer, a hundred percent complete. 
There's there's catch basins all over the site that are uninstalled. The project has X many feet of pipe. You've only done half of it. You know, please tell me what you're asking for. And they might say, oh, we build for X, Y, and Z. It was included in this line item. Well, okay, give me backup. Let let let's talk now. Let let's I I will give you a chance to verify or to validate what you're trying to build. Again, at the end of the day, if we feel that it's not validated, we're not going to tell them. We're going to give them as much chance to validate it, and then we'll tell the lender basically, you know, it's it's up to you. We'll leave it at your discretion. But you know, we feel this is you know X dollars over you know overbuild. And like I said, that that's happening now. Where you know. Three, four years ago, prior to COVID, it was, you know, 10 or 15%. That happens on 50% of the jobs now, at least, it, it, you know, where, where it's just, you know, people are being on the GC side less diligent. Uh-huh. You, you know, there's 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 definitely a shortage in qualified project managers on the GC side. So I know they're not all doing it, you know, to, to be negligent, you know, but they're dealing with a lot younger workforce, you, you know, who's learning the business and, you know, they might not be doing it, you know, to, to be willful, willfully doing something wrong, um, but they're just, you know, oh, it's no big deal. That's about 50% or that's about 100% or, you know, no, it's not, you know, and, and that's what we're there for. We're there to be the double check, you know, the eyes and the ears so that the lender can say, hey, listen, my consultant says X, I've got to believe what they say. You know, they they have more experience in this than I do. Yep. Yep. That's good. That's good. They're leaning on you for that expertise in such a big investment. So. I get it. Okay, so what are some of the exciting things that you're ex- that that are on the horizon for LCS? What are you excited about for the future? Well, what's gr- what's great is you know we we've had a concerted effort, especially over the past four or five years, of expanding our geographical region, our, our, our reach. You know, we used to we we were we kind of did a lot of work east of the Mississippi, um, and we've put a full court press into making sure that we're you know we're we're nationwide. You know, we can work in Hawaii. Wow. We can All work right. In- in Alaska, all 50 states. Um, but also, you know, we're expanding our offerings. You, you, you know, we, uh, you know, we consider ourselves subject matter experts and environmental valuation and construction. So, you know, at least I can speak for the construction side. We're doing a lot more consulting work than we've ever done. You know, yes, we're doing draw inspections and, and mm-hmm. uh, property condition reports and those type of things. But we're also, you know, acting as the eyes and the ears for owners on construction projects, you know, borrowers, you know, lenders, you know, we're being tasked to, 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 you know, provide, you know, input on projects that I think, you know, in the past, you know, people would have just said, nah, it's good enough. Yeah. We're, we're close enough. We're good enough. So, you know, people have really started to, to move into, you know, using us as a resource as we should be. Yeah. Okay. That's great. All right. So let's, we have a couple more questions here. Uh, and I could ask you, I could really, honestly, I could talk about this for so long, but for in respect of time and everything, I would love to kind of shift gears and talk a little bit about, more about mindset because you've been in the industry now for 24 years. Um, this is pretty much your business that you've, you've been doing this business since, you know, since we, well, that's a, a while ago and that's really, really commendable. So what, um, what are some of the challenges that you faced in growing in this business? You, you know, just, and how did you overcome that? Like, was it just getting in your foot in the right door? Was it the educational side of it? You know? Well, I, I think that, yeah, yeah. Great question. You know, a lot of this always comes down to experience, right? It's getting the experience on the project. And and to your point, you, you have to get your foot in the door 
to be able to do this work, to be able to, you know, do it for somebody and hopefully do a great job for them, uh-huh. but it, 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 getting, getting your foot in the door. But, you know, we, we've seen, you know, we've seen, you know, the internet has kind of changed things and I hate to say the internet has changed things, but, you know, before people used to not know things until they learned it on site, right? Until yep. now, if somebody doesn't know something, what do they do? They go and they Google it, right? Like, or they watch HGTV and they're like, oh, I know it. I, you know, I watch Chip and Joanna Gaines on HGTV. <laughs> right. I, I, I know what's going on. I, I can go tell you whether this has been installed properly or, you, you know, this is this is 50% done or 100, you know, and I know what it costs because I can, you know, look up Home Depot and, and tell you what it costs. So everybody became their own subject matter expert, you know, without gaining the, you know, the knowledge necessary to actually make the correct call. Now, sometimes can they get it right? Sure, it, 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 you know, but, you know, I would say that that people have really started to be like, you know, we're good. We can figure it out ourselves. And then they have one project that goes sideways and they're like, all right, yeah, I didn't know this, this and this, you know. And, and then before they know it, they have two projects that went sideways or three projects that went sideways or, you know, and it's a domino effect, right? Mm. You know, because you don't know what you don't know. Yep. You know, so, so, so a lot of it, you know, I think it's been, you know, it's been a harder sell, but I think also it's been a better sell because, you know, people, once you show your value, people understand it, they get it. Yeah. They're, they're like, they're like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. They're here to protect us because nobody else in the deal is there to protect the lender. The borrower is there to protect the borrower. The contractor is there to protect the, the, the contractor. That's a good point. You, you know, nobody's there to protect the lender because because they have all the money, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're rolling in it. So it, it, it's 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 that's what we're there for. We're yeah. there to make sure that, you know, that they're protected in every aspect of the project. You mentioned something you said they're rolling in it. And I there's a there's like a stigma people have about private lenders. I like, oh, what do you what do you care? You got all this money that you can lend out and you have. You have all these, but what people don't understand is like a lot of lenders are, they have a real estate fund and that Mm -hmm. fund represents a hundred or 200 investors that have given their monies over to this lender for a return. So there, there's a, there is an enormous obligation that these lenders have. They have to watch every single penny that goes in and out of their business like a hawk. So super important and i get that a lot i get i get that um well you know did, what does it matter right you you're the lender and so there's that attitude that needs to be um well and, and there's there's it man right bit. i mean if you have a couple bad deals you're you're not going to get investors anymore you right know, people, no it's gone people, yeah. 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 The investor pool is gone. If, you know, if they can go get a 5% return on their rate in the CD today and, and, you know, you're going to give them 2%. Well, why would they, you know, yeah. put their money at that risk for less rest return on investment? Yep. Yep. And, and, and so to your point, I mean, that, that's why, you know, I always found it interesting and, and, and I'd love to, I'd love to talk about this sometime is, is, you know, why wouldn't you do the due diligence services? What are you saving? You know, generally the fees are passed to the to the borrower. The borrower pays the, you know, the draw inspection fees. They play yeah. the they pay the plan and spec cost review fees, you know. A a, a lot of the uh you know, public money lenders that that they just pass the fees on and and it so so yeah. borrowers are are I would say conditioned for that. You know, so why wouldn't you? I, I, it, it just to me never made sense. You know, why would you you would put yourself in a position that you could, you know, get hurt. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm trying to ask myself the same question right now. Now, how many? What percentage in your do you think? Like, let's say out of a hundred lenders, what percentage of those lenders are using a consulting service such as LCS? You know, or are they just kind of winging it on their own? They got their own guy to do it. You know, what's I I would say probably eighty five to ninety percent are using an LCS. What uh-huh. it really comes down to is 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 their internal compliance. You know, do, what's their threshold? You know, are they, are they using a due diligence company to do you know everything over a half million? Everything over we have, we have clients who their threshold's two and a half million. You know, they're not doing any due diligence until two and a half million. We have some that are doing it over two hundred thousand. You know, because you know, and I guess it's 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 what's happened to you in the past, right? Have you been burnt in the past? Uh-huh. You know, and 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 do you want to make sure that that doesn't happen again? So, really, it comes down to each individual, you know, lenders, you know, appetite for risk again, right? You, you know, yep. some of them. Um, I would say almost everybody does it once you get over five million. You know that that seems. To oh be, yeah, absolutely. You know the magic number, but you know, to me, a, a five million dollar job has as much, you, you know. A much har- it could have as much harm as a one million dollar job. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Oh for sure. Absolutely. So we talked a lot about about the the ex- massive benefits that LCS provides private lenders, and I'm really excited about having more private lenders jump on board with you guys and really uh, uh, get these benefits and and help them sleep better at night help them really evaluate properties on a much more professional manner. Um, so all these links and stuff I'm going to put in the show notes, but if we can kind of switch gears. So you've been in the industry a little bit for 24 years. So if, if, if you had a time machine, okay. And, and you were to go back in time, 24 years, 25 years ago, what would you do differently or, or, or if anything, what would I do? You know, to, to be honest, I think I would do it the same way I did it. You know, so many, so often people want to miss steps, right? They want to, they want to fast track. They want to, yeah. they want to skip two or three steps to get to the next step in their career. And I, I think I've taken the time um, to, to get through my career the way I think it needed to be. And I needed to get through it. So, you know, I think that's what I would tell myself is, you know, I know sometimes it wasn't easy. There's a lot of late nights, a lot of hard work, you know, a lot of 60 hour weeks to, to get, you know, to move to the next step. But I would say, do it the same way, you know, don't shortcut anything, you know, because I, you know, to me, it's kind of a a moniker of life, right? You know, if you do it the right way, good things will happen to you. Yep. Um, I've been blessed. Yeah, you know, good things have happened to me, and uh, you, you know, I think it's because of that mindset. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Don't shortcut anything. That's super. That's super good. Don't shortcut. I mean, I mean, that's it's what we preach to the to the the lenders, right? Yeah, you know, don't yep. shortcut the process just because yep. the deal looks good doesn't mean it is good. Yeah, you, you know, don't don't sh- let the process play out and then make a decision, then make a judgment. You know, sure. don't make your judgment before you you know get into the process. Because we're so rushed and lenders are rushed, borrowers are rushed. Lenders are being rushed by the borrowers because the deal has a timeline that they have to get this done. And so everyone's rushed. Everyone wants to make money. We all get it. I think that's what happens is when they start taking that on and then they're now shortcutting the system. Well, we don't need this. We don't need that. Let's, Let's do this. 
we can figure it out later, right? And yep, I mean, I mean, to your point, yeah, I mean, that's a great point, you know, Matt. We've seen that quite a bit lately. You know, the the amount of due diligence time prior to a project going to closing used to be expansive. It could be, you know, four to six months. You know, not, not now we're seeing six to eight weeks. You know that that they want a phase one, a property condition report, and you know if it's if it's a ground up or a renovation, they want a plan inspect cost review, and they want all that done in you know two weeks, yeah, because it needs to go to underwriting and it needs to go to loan committee and everybody's you know and oh by the way the borrower sat on it for four months, <laughs> you know? yeah, and and I get it, I, I I get how it works, but but still like that that is that's just something it, it, I would rather that the lenders ask for an expedited turnaround time than just say, well, the standard turnaround time doesn't work in the, in the time frame we're looking for. So we're just going to, you know, we're going to pass on this, you know, we're, we're not going to worry about this and, yeah. you, know, you know, we'll deal with it later if something happens. You, you know, I, I think it's, it's proper planning, right? Yep. Absolutely. All right. So last couple questions, what books or resources, I guess, you know, it could be a podcast, a book um, has had the most significant uh, impact on you, whether it's personally or, or in business? Well, well I, th- I think it's, it's the same book. You know, when I started in the industry, um, you know, I, I had some great mentors and one of the mentors back in 2005 gave me a book called Emotional Intelligence, Why uh, Can yes. More by Daniel Goleman. I was and waiting for I, someone to mention this on my podcast. What a great book. Okay. What a great book. I, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, if, if more people read that book, and understood that, hey, listen, just because somebody says something to you doesn't mean you have to respond to it, you know, and, and how you respond to it is sometimes more important than what you're actually saying. Yeah. It, you know, that that there's so many people now, you know, I hate to pontificate, but there's so many people that just want to answer something, right? They just want to blurt something out. They want to have a retort to something. They think somebody's attacking them and they just want to fire back and you know, you know, listen, understand why that person said what they said. Sometimes they're coming from a different place. You don't know what stressors they have on themselves, you, you know, and, and, you know, emotional intelligence, I think is a skill that we've seen, you know, in the past, you know, 18 years since the book was, it, it it's diminished. It's diminished. People <laughs> are losing their ability uh, to, to basically listen to other people's viewpoints, listen to what other people are saying, um, you know, form a clear and concise response and then respond. You know, yeah. they, they just want to respond, you know, and, and I yeah. think that's when, when I was given that book, I was like, what do I need this for? You know, emotional intelligence, what do I need this for? Yeah. And I'll, t- I'll tell you, it, it's helped me bite my tongue quite a few times uh-huh. because there was no benefit to firing back. You, you know, there, there was, there was nothing to be gained from it. And uh, I think, I think it should be reading for anybody in high school, you know. 100,000% agree. Absolutely. Now it's interesting because with that book, I remember reading that book so many years ago and what a great reminder to go back to that book because I I talk about it a lot. I mean, I talk about the concept of emotional intelligence to, to my daughters, to my, to my friends, everybody who's around me. And, um, what I'm finding out lately and, and you probably have too, is the, the amount of social media that we're consuming so years ago, social media used to be like a little bit more of a healthier thing. You go to this social media site, and it was kind of like a party, but you don't just pitch all of a sudden. You develop relationships, and you you form a relationship 
first before you send them to your website or anything like that. Nowadays, I think what's happening is that there's so much content that, that we're being bombarded with. And there's so much people that will show up to these quote unquote parties, if you will. And they're trying to get everyone's attention with the fanciest uh, uh, memes or whatever you see out there, the videos, and they're all cool to watch. But I think it lessens our emotional intelligence the more we watch that nonsense. Yeah, I, but it I, raises I, our intelligence because there's so much content. So it's like we're actually, it's a weird thing. We're actually smarter, but we're we're dumber also we're, emotionally. We're making more decisions so much quicker than we ever did. You, you know. Nowadays, you know, you'll, you'll look at a video and you're like, do I want to invest the three minutes to watch the rest of this video? Yeah. Or do I think this video doesn't have what I want in it and I'm cutting it off in 30 seconds, you know, <laughs> and, and you make a thousand of those decisions a day now, you know, thanks to, you know, all the social media platforms. And, and to that point, I, I think it's that same way in how we interact as human beings, right? You, you know, it, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're so quick to move on to the next issue or the next topic or the next yep. subject that we're just going to fire something out of our mouth, you know, and whatever it is, it is, yeah. you know, and, and that's why I, I think, you know, it, it's, it's just something that there should be a whole class taught on it. You know, <laughs> it really yeah, I, I agree. All right. So private lender is, is listening to this and they're interested in pursuing, you know, the consulting side with you folks. What are some of the steps that they can get that they should start right now? How do you get on board with LCS? So I think the biggest thing is to go to www.lenderconsulting.com. Go to our website. You'll see the uh, contact information for our office. Um, you'll, you'll get directed to Liz Mahoney, our yep. senior vice president of business development. And then she'll help walk you through the process. Basically, you know, have a sit down, find out, you know, what your needs are you know, what LCS can do to help you with those needs, you know, kind of form fit a plan for you and then provide, you know, the next steps forward, you, you know, basically get, get those, those people in touch with, you know, the subject matter experts such as, you know, myself in construction or our SVP of environmental or uh, valuation and have those discussions to see how we can tailor a product um, to fit what they need. And then from that point forward, you, you know, once the fact find is done in that, it, it's, it's very simple. You know, we have an online order portal, um, that once, you know, you're a customer in the system and, you know, you, you can just order things, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, and, and it's a pretty simple process from that point forward. I love simple onboarding. I'm a big fan. I'm a big yeah. fan of the three-step process. So <laughs> number yeah. one, you go to the website. Number two, reach out to Liz Mahoney, have a need, you know, go through a needs assessment with her. Yep. Depending on what those needs are, you take the next steps, right? And so... I love it. What it's perfect, and um, and I encourage every serious. I encourage every private lender to connect with you. So, where can people find if they want to connect with you, the man, the myth, the legend? How, where can they connect with Mike? They they can they can email me at m k o s m o s k i at lenderconsulting dot com. Okay. Send me a quick email. I'll reach out. Uh, I'm very responsive. So you'll get something from me in less than 24 hours. And, uh, you know, start, you know, that's the other thing we say. Just, if we're not engaged on a project, if you have something or one, one of your lenders has something that they, they see something, it's not making sense to them. They just want a quick two second. 
feel free to reach out. Send me an email. Sure. Say, hey, Mike, I heard you on the podcast. I, you know, it sounds like you know what you're doing, hopefully. <laughs> and, uh, you know, give me a call. And, uh, you know, I'll give you a call and let's have a discussion about it. It, it. it doesn't cost anything to reach out and have a have a quick discussion on something. It's 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 you know, we're, we're more about making partners. You yeah. know, our, a lot of our clients, you know, they're, they're clients for life. And that's because of that. You, you know, it's not always money driven. You know, we're, we're there to help out whenever we can. Yeah. And people can also reach can they can also meet you and Liz uh, at the National Private Lending Conference, the American Lending Conference coming up, gosh, in a now actually when this is when this episode comes out, it will be maybe even less than two weeks from the event, which makes me bite my nails a little bit more, but I'm excited <laughs> about it. We're we're ready. We're fired up. It's going to be an amazing conference. So I do look forward to seeing you guys up there and we can talk a little bit more uh, football and why you're not a Bills fan and why you're a Colts fan. But that's that's, a, you know. That's okay. That's uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it'll be an interesting story. It'll be an interesting story. We'll save it for the conference. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, it's great talk with you, Mike. It really is. And uh, and let's let's do this again. Seriously, I think I think we should have more discussions in part two and part three on how you know how your company can help out the the industry. Yeah, sounds good, Matt. No, I really appreciate it. Everything's been great. And yeah, if you need anything, please feel free to reach out. Sounds good, Mike. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you. All yeah. right. Thank you for tuning in today. I really appreciate your time. And if you enjoyed that episode, please subscribe, like, and make a comment. It certainly helps us get our message out and help more people. You can also support the podcast at Patreon at patreon.com slash lenders playbook. And if you're a real estate investor, lender, or interested in jumping in the industry, our next conference is February 28th and 29th in Fort Lauderdale at the Marriott Harbor Beach Hotel. This is our national private lending conference, tons of people, tons of capital, and a lot of deal flow for you if you're a lender. So please join us. Info is online at AmericanLendingConference.com. Until then, we will talk to you folks next week. Take care.